dismissed. And uh, let's take our Bibles to the book of Judges, Judges chapter number 6. I know on Sunday nights we are in the book of Judges as well, but uh, we're, we're speaking on faith on Sunday mornings. And uh, we spe- spoke about failing in our faith and uh, some things that happen in our life help cause us to fail in our faith. But how failure also is a learning process, and we ought to learn from it. Uh, we spoke on that last week. Uh, failure is not the final thing. You understand, whenever we fail in something, we ought to be learning from that failure and uh, not make the same mistake again and go forward for the Lord. But uh, in Judges chapter number 6, I would invite you to stand with me out of respect for the Word of God. We're going to le- read the last uh, five verses, starting in verse 36 uh, down through verse number 40. And uh, we'll talk about some of this here to the, this morning. Judges chapter number 6, starting in verse 36, the Bible says, And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. You notice what he just said there? We're going to get into this here in just a minute. But he said there, he said, I know that thou wilt save Israel by my hand as thou hast said. God already told him something. And now he's saying, now I've got I've to prove this. Okay. And it was so, for he rose up early in the morning uh, or, or early on the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. I'm going to preach a message to you this morning on growing in our faith. And there's some things in Gideon's life. Gideon was having to go through this process of growing uh, in his Christian life and just believing God for what God says. And uh, I'm going to talk to you about some of these truths this morning. This is not a deep theological lesson, but we just need to start learning to trust God. And uh, we'll talk about some of this this morning, but I'm going to preach to you growing in our faith. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the privilege of the Word of God. Thank you that we have the opportunity to meet together this morning. Lord, I pray that you'll uh, hide me behind the cross, fill me with your spirit, empty me of self. Lord, use me as your mouthpiece, I pray. Holy Spirit of God, we ask you to bind Satan and the devils of hell from this place. I pray they not be allowed to hinder uh, what you want to do in the hearts of some people here today. Lord, thank you for those that are here and uh, be with those that are sick. I pray that you'll watch over them and heal them up quickly. Lord, we just pray that if there's any in our midst that are not saved, I pray they'll trust you as their Savior. Lord, I pray that you'll encourage us today as we uh, go through here, Lord, just to grow in our faith and to follow after you and to trust you. And Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I'm reading the end of this on what God uh, had told uh, him to do. We're going to jump back to Gideon's life here a little bit. And we're going to start in uh, verse number one. And I'm going to read down through some of this passage. We're going to kind of deal with this passage of Scripture this morning. I'm going to talk to you about growing. In our faith, you know, it's it's important for us to continue to grow. The Bible says, "As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that they may grow thereby." We ought not to be a thirty-year Christian that's still a babe in Christ. 
We ought to be growing in the things of God. And it's never, uh, uh, there's never a time in our Christian life that the growth process stops. There's never a time in that. We ought to continue to grow. Uh, no matter how long you've been in church, you've not arrived. You've not known everything there is to know according to the Bible. And we're constantly growing. We ought to constantly be studying the Word of God and going through it. But I'm going to read some of these things for you uh, this morning. Um, it, uh, let's jump down here. We'll read down to verse 8 or starting in verse number 8. It says this, And the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt, and brought you forth of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and drave, uh, drove them out from before you, um, and gave their land. And he oops, I'm, I'm in the wrong chapter, aren't I? I am, sorry. Verse chapter 7, I went back a little bit there. Uh, and did some things. Sorry, I mean, it was in chapter 6, but I think, was I reading the right chapter? Okay, I thought I was in 7. Okay, good. Never mind. Don't, don't mind the preacher, okay? Just deal with the Word of God. All right? Verse 10, And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. See, he's just telling them, I brought you out of all of this. I did all of this stuff for you, but you didn't listen. You didn't listen to what I had to say. Verse 11, he said, There came an angel of the Lord and sat under the oak of Oprah and uh, pertained unto Joash, uh, uh, a Berzite. And he said, And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now, when God speaks, we ought to listen. The Lord said something to him here, and he said this, The Lord is with thee. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befalling us? See, the Lord just said, I'm with you. And he said, really, Lord, if it is, then why is all this happening? If you're with us, why? he's having some struggle just believing and trusting in what God said. He's still in a growth process here. He said, why is all this befalling us? And where be all the miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. He's saying, Listen, we're in bondage. Why are we in bondage? If you're with us, why are we struggling with all this? Verse 14, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midians. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Again, he's still struggling with just trusting God. God said, listen, I'm going to deliver the Midianites by using you. And he said, God, how are you going to do that? I come from a poor family, and I'm the least in my father's house. And he's continuing to make these excuses uh, for why he can't do it. Verse 16, And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midians as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Who does he think he's talking to? You know, and he says, Lord, if this is really you, show me a sign. Show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and, uh, and unleavened cakes and an ephah of flour. 
and, fle- uh, and flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot and brought it out unto him under the oak and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out broth, and he did so. And the angel of the Lord put forth the end of his staff that was in his hand, and he touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and there rose up fire out of the rocks and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord, of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he, was, uh, that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it uh, Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day uh, it is yet an uh, Ophrah of the Abrazites. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock and the second bullock of seven years old and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath and cut down the grove that is by it. And build the altar unto the Lord thy God and upon this rock... Uh, in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wool, with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded him, and it was so because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by day that he might that he did it by night. Gideon's still struggling with just following the Lord and obeying Him right away. He's still trying to add a little bit of what he wanted to do. In all of this, God told him, he said, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to drive the Midianites out using you. And he said, God, how are you going to do this? I come from a poor family. I'm the least in my father's house. He said, Lord, if it's really you that I'm talking to, give me a sign. And so God shows him that it's him. He said, oh, because I saw the angel of the Lord, I know that it's you. He sacrificed it. Now God said, now guess what I've got for you. I want you to go and I want you to tear down these false idols. That your father even has. He says, hold, hold, hold on, God. i got to do this thing at nighttime because I don't want to be seen doing this. He's struggling still a little bit. And you know what? We're kind of like Gideon, aren't we? God tells us to do some things and we start making excuses on why we can't and all of these things. And we begin to just start uh, telling God what we think he ought to do and why we, uh, why we think he ought to do it this way. Because it makes more sense to us the way we think it ought to be done than the way God says it's going to be done. And God's just trying to tell him what he wants to do. And then in verse 28, it says, And when the men of the city rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it, uh, whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore, on the day he called him Jerubbabel, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. 
But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and and Abiezar was gathered after him. And he sent messengers throughout all of Manasseh, who also gathered after him. And he sent messengers to Asher, and to Zebulun, and to Naphtali, and they came to meet him. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece. You see this pattern? God, if you're really going to do what you said you're going to do, I want you to prove it to me. God, I'm going to put another test. If it's you that's really talking to me, God, I want you to give me a sign over here. He said, now uh, he tore down the altar of Baal. He did it at night and took 10 people with him because he was afraid to do it in the daytime. And now God's telling him, listen, he's going to deliver Midian into his hand. God's going to do a miracle through uh, this one that nobody else would think could really be done. And God likes to use unlikely people and unorthodox things to get his work accomplished so that we don't get credit for it. That God gets the credit for it. God likes to use the least of something so that he can make much out of it. And you understand where it came from. Think of the five loaves and two fishes. Could that really feed 5,000 people and their families? No, but because of God, little things can become big things when they're in the hand of God. And I'm glad that God can use sinners like us that are saved by grace through faith to get a work accomplished and not for our glory but for His. Gideon's in this time in his life, in this transition in his life where he's growing in his faith. He's having some doubts about just putting his trust in the Lord. Instead of trusting God, here's what he's doing. He's testing God. And we, uh, oftentimes in our spiritual lives, we live in the state of testing God rather than trusting God. We say, God, if you want me to do this, God, do this for me. God, if you want me to give for this, God, show me by doing this. No, God says, give and it shall be given. God, if you want me to read the Bible, show me this. He doesn't have to tell you or give you a sign. He has already said it. He told Gideon, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to deliver Midian into your hand. And look what Gideon says, verse 36. And Gideon said unto God, if thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and dry upon on the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so. For he rose up early in the morning, and thrust the fleece together, and wringed the dew out of the fleece in a bowl of water. Now hold on, that should have been right there enough confirmation for Gideon. You know why I believe I think Gideon was doing all of this? Because Gideon was trusting in his abilities. Gideon was looking at what he was capable of accomplishing and he was having some doubts and just trusting God because he was thinking, God, I have to do this. You understand, the work of God does not go forward based upon our credentials, based upon our abilities. The work of God does not go forward based on how educated you are or how socially, uh, how you are in your social status. The work of God goes on by complete faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's his work. And upon this rock, he told Peter, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We're never going to be able to accomplish anything in the work of God in our own strength and our own power. 
But Gideon's struggling with trusting God because he's looking at his ability. He's looking that he comes from a poor family. He's the least of his father's house. And God says, I'm going to be with you. He just tore down these idol, these false God, this, this idol of Baal here. He just tore all that down. And now he's saying, listen, now you've got to fight against Midian. And Gideon says, Lord, if you're really going to do what you say you're going to do, I want you to let the water be only on the fleece and not on the ground. And so God does it. And Gideon said, verse 39, unto God, let not thine anger be hot against me. And I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once. Wait, hold on. what do you mean prove you this once? I've already asked you a couple of times to show yourself to me. He's saying, let me prove you this once. He's I just asked you to let the, the fleece be wet and the ground be dry. And now he's going to say, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour this out in a different way. I'm going to make it happen in a different direction now. I want you to switch that, Lord. Let the fleece be dry and the ground be wet. And God did it. Listen, I want you to understand, God's being very gracious with Gideon right here. God's not in a deal-making business with you. You understand, God says it and that ought to be enough. But Gideon needed a faith booster shot, as you would say. His faith was a little on the downward side. Because his faith was not focused on what it ought to have been focused in. We were just talking before church where the guy and I were, and we were talking about what faith is. And the Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And then it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Listen, when God tells us something, he's not always going to show us what the final outcome is. But God already just told him, listen, you're not going to die. I'm going to deliver Midian into your hand. God gave him some insight to what was in the future, and he still struggled believing. He still struggled with it. Listen, God was going to use him. Verse 12, he talked about it. Verse 15, he talked about it. I'm the least in my father's house. I'm and God's still choosing to use him. He needed to learn this principle of just taking God at his word. Just taking God at his word. And we need to learn how to do the same thing. We need to learn how to uh, weep for the lost. Do you understand? The Bible does say, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, will doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaths with him. Now, is there any confusion about the word doubtless? The word doubtless means doubtless. Without any doubt. It's going to happen. So if we, as believers in Christ, get a broken heart for the lost, we begin to weep over them, we begin to weep over their condition, God says there's going to be a fruit. There's going to be a product because of it. So why don't we go forward and we believe that God's just going to do it? Why won't we go plant a seed? Why won't we go do those things? Because we're trusting in our abilities, not God's. We're trusting in what we can do. And our, well, I just, I'm not good at memorizing, preacher, and I just don't know what to say when I go up to somebody. Listen, it's the Word of God that changes people. It's not how uh, good of an orator you are. It's not about how uh, wonderful you can uh, converse with people. It's about the Word of God that penetrates people's hearts and how when we give the Word of God, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And God will do what He does, and He penetrates hearts. The Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Gideon just needed to learn to take God at his word. God said, I'm going to be with you. That ought to have been enough. 
You know, he tells us he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He tells us when we go out into all the world to preach the gospel, remember what he said in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, to go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. He says this, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. You know what we ought to just take God for when we go out to give the gospel? God's with us. He's with us. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We ought to just say, hey, why can I walk through the Christian life? Why can I step forward and keep putting one foot in front of the other? Because God's with me. He's not going to leave me. He's beside me. He had this fallacy that I like to call fleece faith. And we like to have that fleece faith all the time where God tells us something, but in this growth process. Now understand something about Gideon. Gideon's just trying, he's in a growth process. Gideon's, and we need to learn from Gideon's life. Gideon began to question God and test God rather than trust God. And we oftentimes do the same thing. We begin to test God. Well, God, if you're really doing this in my life, show me by doing this. And we do that with revival. We do that with all this. I've heard people say, well, I don't believe revival can happen. You know why you believe revival can't happen? Because you think revival comes from you. Revival doesn't come from you. Revival comes from obedience to God. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, this is God talking, God's the deal maker, not you. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And we're good at saying, well, God, you know, uh, I'll... Turn from my wicked way, but I'm not going to seek after you, and I'm not going to humble myself. And I, I, How about if we just meet halfway? And God says, no, that's not the way it works. This is what I said. That's what you do. He told Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekites. Saul didn't do it, and he lost the kingdom because of it. Why? Because he says to obey is better than sacrifice. We just got to learn to obey God's word and trust in it. He had this fleece faith. This fleece faith is an evidence of doubt. It's an evidence of doubt, doubting in God. I want you to look at a couple verses real quick. Look at Psalm 32. Psalm 32. Look what the psalmist says. Look at verse uh, 7 and 8. Thou art my hiding place, thou shalt preserve me from trouble, thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way thou shalt go, I will guide thee with mine eye. This is God's promise. He said, listen, I'm going to be your refuge, I'm going to be your strength, I'm going to guide you along the way. Flip over there quickly again, a couple chapters to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Look what the Bible says, verse 23 and 24. The steps of a good man are requested by the Lord. They're ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. It said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That means God ought to have complete authority in our life. 
If God said it, we follow it. It's ordered by the Lord. If you're his child, the Bible says you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why should we be a soul-winning church at Faith Baptist Church? Because that's what God commanded us to do. It's ordered by the Lord. Why should we be givers? Because God commands us to give. Why should we meditate upon the word of God? Why should we study it? Why should we memorize it? Because the word of God says, hide God's word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against God. Why should we do all of those things? Why should we meditate upon it? Because he says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he says, And you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You understand that God has given us some promises in the word of God, and we need to rest in those promises. We need to just trust in those promises. Rather than test the promises of God, just trust the promises of God. Growing in our faith moves from testing God to trusting God. That's where it moves from. It moves from testing to trusting. See, we have a guide. God gave us the Holy Spirit. He's our guide. We have the Holy Spirit and we have the Holy Scriptures. They're our guide. This is our roadmap to life. No matter what you experience in your life, the Word of God has the answer for it. You say, what about my marriage? God tells you about it. What about my uh, parenting? God tells you about it. What about my job situation? God tells you about it. What about finances? God tells you about it. What about fear? God tells you about it. What about sorrow? God tells you about it. What about wisdom? God tells you about it. All these things you find in the roadmap that God's given us because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. They're ordered by God. But we have this fallacy of fleece faith. We want to throw out the fleece all the time and say, God, if you're really going to do what you said you're going to do, by the way, you're questioning God's godhood. You say, what are you talking about? Let me ask you a question. Can God lie? No. If God could lie, then God ceases to be God because then he becomes a sinner just like us. God said, I will be with you. That's what he told Gideon. You shall not die. I will deliver Midian into your hand. And Gideon said, God, if you're, if you're going to win this battle by my hand, uh, I'm going to prove you. Did you really mean it? <laughs> Did you really mean what you said, God? And you know what? There's often times that we struggle even in the area of salvation. We want to trust Christ our Savior, but we really don't know if God's going to do what he said he's going to do. Let me explain something to you. The Bible said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He did not say, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord might be saved. He said, shall be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's God's promise. For salvation, so what do I got to do to get saved? God, well, let's see here. You know what? I don't want to have to come by faith. What about by my good works? Well, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He's saying, listen, you can't work your way to heaven. I'm the way to heaven. But you know what happens when we try to add works to salvation? We're trying to do what Gideon did. God, well, you know what? If you really mean it let let me test you and make make this deal with you in my terms see we can't do things on our terms we have to do them on God's terms 
We have to do them on God's terms. That's where real faith comes in. But we have a guide through the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Scriptures. I want you to look at uh, John chapter 16. The Gospel of John chapter number 16. Just to show you about the Holy Spirit being our guide, look at verse 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. You see what it said? It said the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. How do we understand the pages of the Bible? Through the Holy Spirit. He guides us along the way. He begins to light things to us. Look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I've given you a guide, the Holy Spirit. He's going to guide you into all truth. He said, and the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. How do we navigate the darkness of this world as we just trust in the light of God's word? We just trust in it. Instead of testing God, saying, God, do you really think this is right? Will you really do? God said it. Flip over to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. It says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which ye also are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. How does the peace of God come into our life? God's promise is this. If you want to have peace... Where does it come? Jesus Christ. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. People say, preacher, I just want peace. We can't have peace apart from Christ. You got to have Jesus. You got to have Jesus. We have desires that God places in our heart. Talks about how give us the desires of our heart if we walk in the things of God. That's God's promise. You know why God will give us the desires of our heart if we begin to walk in the precepts of the Bible? Because our desires become His desires. Our desires become His desires. Psalm 1 talks about counsel of godly people. It's a wise thing for us to get counsel. And a multitude of counselors, their safety, the Bible says. Listen, we just need to trust the wisdom. Instead of Gideon testing God, he should have just obeyed God. But before we frown on Gideon... Let's get rid of our mentality of testing God and just start trusting God. Just start trusting God. Listen, Gideon tested God. All throughout the pages of the Bible, people began to try to test God. God, if it be you, do this. God, if it be you, bid me come on the water. Remember Peter said that? Lord, if it's really you, let me come come to you on the water. He said, come. God oftentimes is gracious to us and and does things to show himself to us. But the fact of the matter is where faith really comes in is where you just believe God for what he says. You just trust him. 
Believe him for what he says. I saw this quote this week as I was going through this, and it was a very powerful quote. And this is where we're going to kind of uh, end and come to the end of the, the message today about just trusting God and growing in our faith. If you begin to grow in your faith, it comes from trusting in God's word, not testing God. Trusting God. But C.S. Lewis said this, and I quote, I know now, Lord, why you utter no answer to me sometimes, because you are yourself the answer. Look what he said there again. He said, I know now, Lord, why you utter no answer to me sometimes, because you are yourself the answer. See, what Gideon needed to understand is he didn't need God to answer him about all of this. He just needed to know that God was the answer. How was God going to do all of this to the Midianites? He's God. Just trust him. How's God going to make my situation better? He's God. Just trust him. How can God remove that cancer? He's God. Just trust him. How can God meet my needs for all of this? He's God. Just trust him. There's nothing God cannot do. We've just got to put our faith in God and just trust him and quit testing him. We need to grow in our life spiritually where we just take God's word and say, God said it, that settles it, period, done. Instead of, well, God might have meant, no, God said this. When he told Gideon, I'm going to be with you, he didn't mean uh, I might be with you. He said, I will be with you. There was no reason to question God on that. And God says, hey, if we're saved, then we're always saved. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, then you don't believe God. Because the Word of God says it's everlasting life. That's forever. John 10, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. Well, God, did you really mean that? Of course he meant it. 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Listen, if God took away your salvation, it's temporary life, it's not eternal life. If you lose your salvation, it's temporary life, it's not eternal life, and God would be a liar and he would cease to be God. But God said it, that settles it. Why can I be saved? Because of what Jesus Christ did, not because of me. The reason I'm saved is because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and putting my faith and trust in Him. The reason I'm still saved is because He's the one that keeps me, according to the Bible. You know why I can have an eternal security? Because the security is not in me. It's in Him. Instead of testing God, let's just trust God. God, this is what you said, and this is what I'm going to believe. You said it. Period. Listen, it doesn't matter what the Pope says. Just so you understand, it doesn't. It doesn't matter what Benny Hinn says. It doesn't matter what Joel Osteen says. It doesn't matter what Dan Caldwell says. It matters what God says. Period. Let God be true and every man a liar. Growing in our faith comes to the place where we go from testing and questioning to trusting and obeying. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Listen, if we're going to grow as a church, I was talking to Brother Guy about this before. We're called Faith Baptist Church. 
But without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. So let me ask this question. Is God pleased with Faith Baptist Church? Is God pleased? Do we have faith in Him that He's just going to do what He says? We're going to give the gospel because it's not our job to save. It's our job to plant the seed. It's His job to convict the heart and draw them. It's our job just to water and sow. That's our job. But God gives the increase. You know why we don't do it? Because we're trusting in our abilities, not God's. You know why we don't give in the offering? Because, well, God, I've got I've to hold on to all this because I've got to make sure it's all in the right place. No, the reason you don't have it is because you don't put it in his hands. You think you're a better money manager than God is? You know what? I know guys that are accountants that, uh, man, these guys are very sharp. There's no math problem they can't figure out. But I've seen them be totally confused about certain things. But you know what? God's, got, God's not confused. God's got it all under control. He can control your bank account better than you can. Just trust him. Am I saying that you ought to be a bad steward? No, I'm not saying that at all. You ought to be wise, and do, but you ought to obey God. And you know why we get so upset in this area of finances when a preacher talks about it? Because that's where our treasure is. If God has you... He has everything that comes with you. Everything. So guess what? If you really give God everything that you have, your money's going to follow. But by the way, God doesn't need your money. God wants you. He wants you. Just trust him. So we have this in the area of finances. We have this in the area of just our salvation. We struggle and those kind of things. What about just when you're sick? There's a health issue that you really don't have any control over. I wonder, is God pleased with us based on our faith in Him in those situations? God, I really don't know what the outcome is. God, I don't know what's in store. But God, I know you have it all under control. And I'm just going to trust you. Wait, what happens if I die? And that was God's plan. But I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to trust Him. Because you know what happens? When you get saved, you no longer belong to the devil and yourself you belong to God and whatever it is that God chooses to put you through or allow you to go through as long as you're walking by faith in him that's God's plan and God's will for your life you ought to just trust him you ought to trust him now listen I understand we can make decisions that have consequences but there's trials that we face in life and Gideon had faced some trials or was getting ready to face some trials and God was just trying to teach him something That you don't need an answer from the Lord because the Lord is the answer. He's the answer. And if you get nothing else out of the message this morning, just get this. The Lord is the answer to any problem that you ever face. He's the answer. You say, well, what's the answer to this? God. God's the answer. What's the answer to getting my family back in order? God. What's the answer to getting my finances in order? God. What's the answer to getting my home where it needs to be, God? What about my health, God? God's the answer. You can fill in that blank. No matter what questions asked, what's the answer, God? God's the answer. So I wondered this morning, are you just going to trust him? Are you going to trust him for your eternity? If you're here and you're not saved, I wonder, will you trust Jesus today? When you don't want to trust Jesus because you don't really believe 
that he's going to do what he says he'll do. Or that, he, that you believe that he did what he said he's, he, he already has done. And he finished that work that needed to be finished. And I wonder, will you put your faith and trust in Jesus for salvation today? But if you are saved, I wonder this, will you just totally, totally trust him? He doesn't want, by the way, he doesn't want to share the driving, the steering wheel with you. He doesn't want to share the reins with you. He wants to have complete control. That means your hands are off and his hands are on. I see that bumper sticker oftentimes, God is my co-pilot. Switch seats. Let God drive. Because when God drives, you're going to get to the right destination. When you drive, you might take a wrong turn. The fact is, God doesn't want to be just half of the leader. He doesn't want to hold one side of the reins and you hold the other side. He wants to have complete control. And that's where trusting God and growing in faith comes. That we just say, Lord, my hands are off. You can have it. I wonder, will you do that today? With our heads back.